Oh my God, what are we doing here? You know what we're doing here? We're back. Back in the studio. We're back. It's been a while. Been been, uh, say, been, been a uh, couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Been, been busy. Been hunting. Been uh, enjoying life. Now, back behind the mic. We have a very interesting discussion to have today. I think it's a discussion that a lot of people are intrigued with. Get a lot and, of questions about yeah, it, for sure. That's exactly what I was just trying to formulate the, that sentence is there's a lot of chatter. <laughs> does your girlfriend finish your thoughts like Clay does? I think Clay and I have a much, you know Ever since that in depth ever, ever since that again. night in Austin in two single beds we oh, were yeah. that was a that Clay, was a turning point. You were there, life. you watched. I finish your sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Here, you wanna, uh, let's man. before we Where go on it, let's let's tell that story real quick before we even get into it. That's a good way. I you we, know, I, I can't think of that guy's name and I Vic. 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 Yes, a, Jesus. Vic Clay. We were we were in Austin, Nevada at the International. Yep. yep. And if you ever are in the middle of Nevada, Austin, Nevada, stop by and say hi to Vic. He is from Croatia? Yes. Yep. So, somewhere over there, and Croatia. His, his real name is not Vic. Yeah. We're convinced he's in the witness protection For program. sure. But we stopped in there one night, and we got in pretty late. And the only place in town that had an open bed at 1130 or so was just, I don't even remember the name of the hotel, but we were... We went and saw Vic real quick, had a drink, and then we went down to this hotel. And the only thing that was left open was one room that had two single beds in it, and there was three of us. So, being the youngest, not even the youngest, Alex is the youngest. Why did I get in the middle? <laughs> now that I think about this, tell this story. I don't know you, why. You I, could keep us both maybe warm. I vol- maybe I, I was going to volu- say, I think you volunteered maybe for I that volunteered. middle section. <laughs> but uh, if you ever are in camp with me, I do tend to sleep with very minimal clothes on. And this night was no Top different. Top and bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but we decided that we were going to just push the two single beds together. There was not enough room to sleep on the floor. Yes, it was a tiny, tiny, tiny room. room. And two single beds together, and I volunteered apparently to sleep in the crack. The part so, of the story you missed, we were not, we did not visit Vic for a short time in one oh cocktail. No. I think that's why you got the middle. <laughs> we were there for three hours. You, remember you played piano and yeah. we played pool and we spoke to him about the Croatian New Year party that he has or yep. New Year or Christmas party he has. It's painted on the side of his Christmas. He's a cool guy though. I mean, yeah. he, Clay was behind the bar. It was just, yeah. Yeah. It was one of the mornings that your head hurt the next day when you got up to go coyote calling. But yeah, I think that's how you ended up in the middle. He he tempted us to to try the traditional beverage, and I don't think I for sure didn't try it. But uh, I don't know if you did or not, Alex. Tried it. Yeah. No. But they do a a plum brandy, Oof. homemade bathtub. Yeah, and it's like ever clear. It's just, I mean, but yeah, they he was down in them. There was Vic one was down one like part crazy. of the story that we're not going to get to because Alex, I still say it to this day, Alex has these one-liners. If you've ever met Alex, he has not only one-liners, but unbelievable funny stories and jokes. But he whispered something into my ear that night that <laughs> forever changed my thought about sleeping with some <laughs> some guys, especially if you've been to prison. And but, we, uh, <laughs> we did not get under the covers either. So anyway, that's where that story ends. If you ever see me on the uh, on the road, you can ask me about to finish that story. But and if you ever get to the international, uh, to, to the to the left of the pool table if you're looking at it there's a, a dead dog walking dollar bill dollar signed bill, yeah. 2009 or two it was it was a long time ago it's yeah. still up there i just saw it this year yep. and it's slevo by the way slevo is the name of that drink. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Slevo. Slevo. Oof. anyway 
So, that's, so we were coyote hunting. <laughs> we were coyote we, hunting. We, we tell that story because we did not have a very good coyote hunt, if yeah. you remember. No, it wasn't good. I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe somehow we'll figure out a way to get people to call into our show or something. But I, I'd be interested to hear if, what people think of. You know, we we always say, you know, this has been called. And you know when you, it seems like when you get closer to 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 towns that you you know you you can assume people are coyote hunting, it seems like the the coyote hunting is is not as good you know as as when you get into the middle of nowhere where you know very few people are out there doing it and we we've always talked about Austin's fairly close to Fallon and there's a lot of coyote hunters that that are around in Fallon for sure so what what a funny segue into what we want to talk about which is calling an electric you know calls versus hand calls you know um and you know what what kind of advantages disadvantages and so what what i'm talking about you know if if a guy's gone out into a certain area and he's got a you know mojo triple threat and you're behind him even a month and and maybe you're not playing the same sound but you're you're doing the same cadence or you know what i mean it's it's similar you know so it does that affect you know what coyotes respond is have they been educated you know i don't know it, it when i when i say it out loud it almost seems like that's impossible right but it's not impossible i i mean take the you know the other very popular brand in the coyote hunting world fox pro you know i i imagine you know guys that are using a fox pro use the very same sounds as you know, guys that are using a mojo, we, we call it the old number one. I would guess most people on the West coast are using that jackrabbit in distress, right? I mean, the Q Jack or whatever they call it. It, it, Are you playing the same sound as somebody else? Does that affect your hunting? You know, those are, those are unknowns, but it's got to, I would think, right. I mean, what do you guys think? I 100% agree that affects the calling. Um, you can go go into a spot where it's happened many a time with us, where you think you're going to be in on an unbelievable run, right? The temperature's right. The moon phase is right. Every, the pressure's right. Everything is perfect for a great calling. And you get in there and the scenario calls for an electronic caller. What I mean by that, maybe there's a wind that you have to use an electronic caller. So you put the sound upwind from you, right? And then they come in downwind to you to the call, or we'll get in that in a minute, but and nothing happens, right? Stand after stand after stand, nothing happens. And you go, well, let's try some hand calling or let's try this or let's try that. And right away you get a, you get a response. Mm-hmm. So you can't be afraid obviously to switch up your calling, but when you go into these spots and it's, it's very easy to use a lead caller. They, they make it very easy. The triple threat, right? It has the decoy involved with it, with the feather on top. It's got every sound you can imagine if you're trying to call bobcats or mountain lions or bears or crow, I mean, whatever you're trying to call and you just have to hit a button. And at times that's good because like I mentioned the wind or mixing up calls that you try to do, (laughs) but they're very easy. And the day before the week before a month before 10 people could have been in there doing the same thing that have got into coyote recently. A lot of coyote hunting has become very popular. So they sometimes don't take the time to learn how to mouth call or hound call. So all they do, they see on TV, they'll get a Fox Pro, they'll get a, a triple threat from Mojo, 
and go out and hit number one, hit number four, hit whatever. You heal from Al, Mer- Mal- Al Morris, he'll teach you all the sounds that he uses every time. Right. Or you go to Terry Denman and he tells you every, he has a playlist. You hit playlist for Terry Denman and it plays his exact cadence for 15 minutes. So you don't even have to de- do any thinking. Right. So when that person does it the weekend before, the month before, and everyone just hits those numbers, of course those coyotes are going to go, eh, oh, that's, they'll be, be saying it out. That's a mojo number one. Right. So you have to be able to vary it up. And I think you touched on something, you know, that it it is, it's a gateway into, you know, predator hunting where, you know, I mean, they were around when we first started, they were definitely around, they were a different format, you know, and I remember, you know, guys would have uh, cassette tapes and, uh, you know, homemade electronic call, you know, even, even guys would hand record themselves mouth calling and then, you know, had like a contraption with an external speaker that they played those sounds with or, you know, so they were around long ago, but much cruder fashion, you know. So um, but like you said, ways to cheat the wind and, and is what guys were using them for back then. Right. You know, you, you don't want them staring right at you. You know, if you're going to hand call, you don't want them coming, you know, certain directions and things like that. Or, hey, you get lazy, you know, yeah. I mean. Blow, when blow, worked, blow hand call for 15 minutes, dude. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a definitely, you know, you got to be, it's just like anything. It's like a duck call or a goose call or blowing up a hundred balloons. You know, if you're not, your lungs aren't, you know, conditioned to doing it. It's not the, it's not the hardest thing in the world, but it takes it out of you. And if you're planning on calling 10 or 15 stands a day, you know, it, it is a heck of a lot easier to push the old number one. Well, that's, I was just gonna, probably the ease and the la- the laziness when it's just built in is probably the biggest reason why people don't go to hand calling is because they're, they work plain and simple. They work. And so when you can just go out and sit number one, number two, whatever your hot buttons are or whatever you want to call, they work. And so you do get lazy and you don't after the end of the 15 minutes, when you might be able to switch up to a hand call and call coyote in when, and when the e-caller wasn't successful, you just get on to the next step, mile down the road, educate those dogs, mile down the road, educate those dogs. Yeah. And I say educate because the like the day before, the weekend before, the month before, everyone else, else that's gone into that area has done the same exact thing. Yep. So they don't even get used to it. Yeah, and something I'd throw in is I just was thinking kind of different areas of the country. So, you know, you're out there going with that go-to sound that that uh that may have been used recently or not but you know if you get a chance maybe in the midwest much flatter terrain you get a chance you see it all the time on the videos you can see those coyotes from a long ways away and they get a they get a longer period of time where they can read the coyote and they can see if it's hung up and they can switch up their call or switch up their strategy whereas where we call there are some stands where you'll see them a long ways out there but for the most part uh, you're not really going to be able to read the coyote's behavior for that long a period of time. So you just have to use, I think a lot of times we just use intuition. You, d- you know this is a stand where we were supposed to be not necessarily successful, but have some action and it doesn't happen. We're not going to continue to do that time after time. We're going to use our intuition and switch it up sound-wise, even with the e-caller or you know, that's where the, the hand call can come in. And then also a lot of the stuff that we do where we combine both of them, yeah. which I'm sure that's where we're going next. But I, I find that over the years, if, if you're, if you have the feeling that gut reaction, that something is wrong, um, 
mixing up the calls between hand calls and e-callers seems to seem to be something that can pull out those coyotes that are that are hung up that you're just not actually seeing or if if potentially there was somebody who came through there and called before you yeah i thought you were going somewhere completely different when you said different parts of the country as far as reading them yes but also e-callers make it easy to where if you are hunting western big game or coyotes where that jack like you said jackrabbit in distress boom cottontail in distress boom you go you go back and call them in Pennsylvania, eh, they don't have that jackrabbit. They right. don't, you know, they might, they have rabbits, obviously, but it's a different sound. Right. So f- they use a lot of, you know, red fox in distress, you know, tweety birds, woodpecker. Birds, so, yeah. so you can't easily do that with a hand call. So I don't know how to make a woodpecker sound. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that e collar is, you know, integral in, in being successful in other parts of the countries that, where you're not from if you want to travel and call these predators in. Um, I, let me say something before we move on because I'm glad that we can't see them coming from a long way <laughs> where we are. The, the few stands that we have got to see them come from a long way away, it, it, it's nerve-wracking, dude. You know what I mean? Can you imagine if every single stand... You know, remember, I'm thinking about that one up on that certain power line road. Remember that we saw them from like had to have been a mile away and you could just see that little that little bright dot running through the sagebrush and it was like i mean it felt like 10 minutes you know it it probably was three minutes but i mean it feels like forever you're just watching them run 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 and then you lose them for a minute then he comes up over the thing and then you watch them dude if you had to do that i I, my nerves couldn't handle it your nerves and i can think of another one just right off the top of my head too that almost the same exact scenario and and uh i know for a fact clay missed with a shotgun on a on a on a stand because of that reason, it was so much pent up anticipation and nerves that by the time the thing came in, it got in so close. And I think his, his nerves were just worn out from watching that guy out from a long Are you talking about away. the one up in the rocks that he missed? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it was just like, Same thing. Remember the uh, remember the uh, the the ones that, that we could see their dust coming through that uh, yes. where that super tall sagebrush was. So. You know, if if you're out there in the podcast world, you know, think you think of a flat, you know, um, think of a, a ranch that that's no longer around. So you got a flat ag field that's real dusty, but a long way away. And we could see these little dust trails coming at us, and, and you could not see the coyotes, but you could see the dust trails. And then they get to a thicket of sagebrush, you know, that the the brush is in some spots six seven feet tall. No no exaggeration, and. uh and then and then they're right in your lap you know they go from you can see the dust you can't see anything and then boom like on this particular one i'm thinking of there was like three coyotes i think chance got one didn't he yeah that was chance we got two of them we had a double there right but uh and that's you know going back to reading coyotes that when you see dust in the air they're they're on a string. Yeah, you don't need to do you're much do, with whatever that Whatever you're doing, you're doing it right right there. If you get I a just stepped to in that, and so. heard four seconds of that. Is yeah. that we, while where, we were, where we tied your hands up behind your back? Yeah. For, no. the, for the comedy? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. That was yeah. back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, we were talking about, thank God, we can't see him coming from a long way away. Yeah, but you'll see that a lot in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. And also, it's, it's both ends of it because those guys, you know, their hide's completely different. Part of the country that we're calling in yeah, you might not be able to see the coyote from a long ways away, but at the same time, you're going to have a pretty good hide. You know, we have we have the sagebrush and we have rim rocks and things like that, so it also works to your advantage there. But because if you're seeing that coyote from a long ways away out in you know these rolling kind of wheat fields and rolling hills and stuff and these river bottoms, you're also for the most part, those guys are just set up in some grass that's maybe up to their chest or maybe shoulders at the very most when they're sitting down and they're more exposed too. So those coyotes, you know, they get a chance to read the behavior and they have to be, 
I, I would imagine they have to be more keen to, to play in the right sounds or making the right sounds to get those calves to commit. And adjusting like volume. Because you, yeah. you do notice a lot on those when they when they start to get close in those videos and things those coyotes usually stop and look right at them typically right you know you typically see a lot of rifle shots and stuff from those guys that are hunting like those big fields and stuff like that because the the coyotes are you know like you said you're in maybe some chest high not chest you know when you're sitting chest high grass you know your head's exposed your face is exposed and they're you know all the more reason to use an e-collar in those types of situation to get it away from you right 80 yards 100 yards and never you know keep their attention Let's uh let's circle back around to kind of where we were going with the original part of this podcast. Um, let's think back to the early days of when we really started using e collars, and up until that point, it was one hundred percent mouth calls. Right. Yeah. You know, let's just go around the table here. What I can think back as to what my thought process was, and what what's the advantage of the e collar? What's the, how's that going to be different from the mouth call? And uh, Clay, go ahead and start on on what was our rationale for how we were going to set up a decoy turn on an e-collar versus doing the hand calling what was our what was our thought on what the benefit of that would be versus what we'd been doing for years well i know you said clay <laughs> but Go he finishes your sentences yeah i, I want to start his and then um <laughs> and I, I correct me if i'm wrong do you guys remember when we first started with an e-collar we hand called first the e-collar was like a it was not a crutch it was like a i don't know like afterthought yeah like a like a formality not a formality is the wrong word too but it was it was like we're gonna hand call and if if all that doesn't work and i'm talking every bit of hand calling you could do howls and distress and kaya you know turn turn the e-collar on and see if it works kind of like it was like a it was a tool but it was like a Eh, you know, like we got three more minutes to sit out here, turn that e-collar on for a minute. And now we actually usually start with it. You know what I mean? Typically lately, if, if not just use it solely, you know, but now it's like, I think a lot of times if we're thinking about it and if we're having a lot of kind of fun and success, we, we do the dual, right? You're hand calling and e-calling and, and, you know, mixing it up. And when you're really successful, you, you don't become so complacent, you know what I mean? And, but when you're struggling, it seems like it's like, just turn the e-call on, turn the e-call on, turn the e-call on. And then, you know, then if you get frustrated enough, you'll maybe only mouth call or you'll start. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I remember it was always hand call first and I I couldn't tell you if we were more successful or less successful. What do you think? Would you have agreed with that statement? I, I think we were maybe a little more successful in terms of seeing something react or getting something in, but not as successful as getting them in as close. Yeah. And because, killing them. Because they, they were, they can pinpoint you. They, I mean, I've been on, so we have been on, on so many stands and I specifically remember not, you guys weren't even there. Me and Chad were calling coyotes in car, Colorado, the car exit in Colorado with Chad Thomas. And we saw a coyote literally from, a mile or away two of them and they with hand calling and came to within 14 yards of us and both got killed with a shotgun hand calling but they we they pinpointed us from that far away to right then 
and there's another spot we called, and this coyote jumped up on a rock 10 feet away, hand call. It's amazing how they can pinpoint sound, even in wind. Even in wind, they can pinpoint a sound. So for them to come in and that close, more often than not, they're going to bust you because of their just how smart they are, senses, downwind, whatever it is. So when you're hand calling, you can, if you know that, I think we stopped a little bit more out there knowing that if they do get in that close, they mo- they have a more chance to wind us or see us or pick us out or something. And in our scenario with having a camera, definitely, totally you know, it, it, it's a, yeah. Cause you, you can hide all you want when you're hunting with your buddy and you can, you can dang near lay down and, and you can do different things, you know, where when you've got a, a big camera sitting up on a tripod, you, and, it is and, what it and is. You got spots that you're able to hunt, right? Because that too. you have to that camera. If you're putting stuff on TV or whatever you're doing, that camera has to see what your <laughs> the viewer needs to see. It's got to see almost more than what the exactly. guy with the gun. So can you see. have to sit in spots that typically didn't, you might not sit otherwise. Didn't you like almost get bit hand calling uh, behind a piece of brush or something too? Oh, uh, I. I <laughs> one of my favorite long, hunts long well, uh, before I was hunting by myself just here locally and helping out a rancher on the OPO ranch and they were calving. I went out there calling and I sat up against on a, on a fence line and a sagebrush grew from the side, the other side of the fence through the fence onto my side where I was sitting and I tucked up right into that sagebrush along the fence line. And I was calling, hand calling, hand calling, and nothing, nothing, nothing. And then all of a sudden, all I see is this mouth coming around my sh- the sagebrush to my left because I was tucked in right there. And he come thinking he's going to get that rabbit. And he, with his mouth open, came around that sagebrush. And I, big old, you know, 240-pound guy at that time probably was only about 180 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting weight. Fighting weight. But at that time, Wiry. he came over and saw a big old say, uh, rabbit and said, what the hell was that when he came around? And I screamed like a little girl. <laughs> and he ran out there, you know, 15 yards, 20 yards, and turned around to stop to see what the hell I was. And I shot him. And But I was shaking so bad, I walked up to him and it was just like, cussing at him. Don't ever (laughs) do that again. Scared out of you, know? But yes. Clay's had another very similar brush with death that I could could tell a story from my perspective. We're antelope hunting. Ooh, yeah. Archery antelope hunting, and we split up. Just the two of us up there. This has nothing to do with coyotes. No, but it's a great story. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and we just made a game plan. We're going to hunt in the morning. We'll meet back around lunchtime type of thing, and I'm, I'm back to back to camp and didn't have any success and i'm wondering where the hell clay is i thought he, he should be back by now so then your first thought he got something right so then i started thinking should i take off and start heading that way because i mean maybe he's out there gutting out an antelope by himself and about the time i started to get my pack together and everything i could see the dust way off in the distance like all right here he comes and uh, <laughs> he comes back there's no antelope but he's got this look on his face like all the blood been drained out of his face like, oh, geez, what the hell happened, you know? So he's he's archery hunting. He sees these antelope, pretty good buck across the way. Fairly flat, stand of trees in between him and the, and the antelope. And he's making his way through. But basically to get to archery range, he's got to start belly crawling. And I'll just tell you the moral of this story right now before you even realize what happened. In August, in Nevada, in probably about 12 other states, do not belly crawl in August. 
There's let, things on the ground that you don't want to yeah, run into. Let me, I got so, to, between, there's the last set of trees that had any bit of cover for me right, to the right. other antelope were gone. They were in, they were laying in the shade, 110 in August, laying in the shade of some trees on this big, big, big open flat. And I got to the end of my trees and then nothing between us except five inch sagebrush, six, eight, you know, 10 inch sagebrush. Right where they like to be. Yes. <laughs> right where they like to be. And I said, well, like Clint said, the only way I'm getting anywhere close to them is belly crawling. And I'm probably 150 yards away from them right now. Tree to tree. And if, if uh, rattlesnakes have breath, <laughs> clay smelt their breath. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Came around. As, it just very similar. It always reminds me the two stories are so similar. You know, here's this big sagebrush, and out of the side of it comes this coyote ready to eat you. And it, he's belly crawling, and off the side of his – and how he gets out of Left. the way, I'm not sure. But here comes this – you know, it's basically a rattlesnake striking at him. And it was striking he, at him, and he, he was – with his uh, 185 pound cat like <laughs> reflexes, was able to. It struck get at out you. Of the way. It struck at his face. Oh so, my god! So, so I, it as I would have been the face neck area, <laughs> I would have been driving out there finding clay laying in the desert with yeah. foam coming out of his mouth. You know, it was like crazy. And uh, two parts. No this. buzz. No two rattle. No nothing. No, no because I rattle. I scared him. I think. I come around to sagebrush, no, 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 or scared him, but also he's low profile, Probably. so he's he's he very well could be what a rabbit mm -hmm. or something. You know, so that the senses and, of the snake, he and was I'm, thinking he was something else. And I'm you know I'm belly crawling, and I you know I just pop up a little bit to see the antelope. Okay, they're you know not paying attention to me. Got the wind good, bows on my back, crawl another ten yards, look up, nothing. Crawl another ten yards, and I'm paying attention to the antelope, right? So all I see is the strike in my lap. It was right here. And all I see is the strike. And then the, right? Then I hear everything. So I don't know if it was six inches, eight inches, two inches from my face. Whoa. It's just right there. That made my face itch. Just and so, that. so again, what is this 185 pound, you know? male model I'm gonna go do scream scream <laughs> like a scream, scream like, like a little I'm girl right so the antelope jump up and look at me because I'm screaming like a little girl <laughs> they take off and now I'm pissed off this this rattlesnake just scared my or the antelope away and I'm all pissed off but Did you I kill him I stuck a Broadhead right through his That's head. That's what was on the back. Shot it with your bow or no, just stabbed, stabbed it? Stabbed it right in the top. That was what was on the back of the four wheeler instead of the antelope. It was yep. a rattlesnake. And it was a big old rattlesnake. Nuh uh. Oh, man. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Do not. I remember. I, I th I've heard that. So I didn't know he struck it. Oh, yeah. God. Right yeah. You're lucky because, yeah, Very. you get hit in the face with one. Of, yeah. Very you might not die, but you, you probably wish you'd die. Well, it just, I mean, the mm. fact that it was just the two of us out there, it was it was a pretty good jump back on the four wheeler just to get back to camp right there. And who knows? I could take you right. I could take you right to that spot. I know too. exactly where, right where it was. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, back to Kyle Hunt. Yeah. So I was, I <laughs> I was on the page. Yeah. So back, back in the, so when we, going back to my question to you guys, my thought early on, yeah, I totally agree. We had, before e-callers, we saw a lot, we had a lot more action. Yeah. But a lot of times, I mean, you would, you just, you'd see a lot of coyotes, but you wouldn't necessarily get them finished or be able to get to a presentable shot. That changed completely with e-callers. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But I remember thinking, you know, go, what we would do, you, you call with your hand call, and when you did get a coyote to a certain distance, they would always stop. They'd always stop with a hand call. I don't know. I don't remember any stand in my recollection that you would have a coyote bombing in on you and continue doing it 
and we've seen it plenty of times with an e-collar, they'd never stop. Mm -hmm. So they would always stop. And then what we would do would lip smack, yeah, right? Lip we smack. would lip smack them in, a little mouse lip smack. And that's what actually would draw them in close to you. Yeah. But the e-collar, essentially, when we started doing that, it was getting the getting their attention off of you. Yes. I don't think most people would tell you that, right? The e-collar is benefit with the wind. You can place it, you know, strategically. But Cameras. the sound is coming. You were talking about how they can pinpoint your sound from so long away. But when they get in close, they are. They're going to be able to pick apart if it's there or 40 yards to its right. 100%. And the e-collar would definitely be a big reason for using it would be to get a little bit of that attention off of you because the sound's not coming from you. You can maybe get away with a slight movement. Yep. Uh, Move the gun. Slight touch the gun. And, yeah. you know, so that, well, that was our early thought. I don't know if that holds true every time. I think it does most of the time, but I, I'd say that's a big reason, a big benefit of using an e-collar. I was just thinking about what Jim Sailing was saying. You know, if you want to trap a coyote, you know, set your trap and then hand call a couple times and then leave. They're so good with their hearing they'll come in you know he said you know it could, it could be 8 10 12 hours later but they'll come right over to that trap that you set because they heard that sound and they know exactly okay that was right there yes. i might not run right over there right now because i'm doing something who knows else. The, well yeah, i don't want to get my butt kicked by a bigger coyote but but i'm going to go over there later and see if he left me a scrap or two yeah. you know that's how good their hearing really is and I, you brought up a good point and and it, and it you, when you think back you know, your hand calling hand, especially when there's two or three guys on stand and somebody other than the guy calling sees a coyote, you always let everyone know they stop calling right then. Never, never would a guy continue to blow a call after someone's gone, hey, you know, right here. They're not just going to not listen to you and keep. So that's the difference between an e-caller, right? Is that you see it and you warn everyone on the stand with you that there's one coming. You might turn the volume down on the call, but if he's coming, Usually you don't address anything. You need to talk to Terry Deadman at Mojo. He's leave it running. Don't change a thing. Yep. Don't change a thing. And and we've done in the past and it's worked volume change. You know what I mean? Where if, if one will get to be hesitant or, you know, something like that, you could turn it down or something like that. And then, you know, they might finish then or, you know, yes. might bring some, uh, a, a, a shy dog might come in either thinking that something's already killing that thing, you know, now the sound's going away or now I can't hear it anymore and, the, and then they'll finish. But I've seen them get screwed up that way too. You 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 adjust and it it, it throws off, throws you know, off, it gives them something to think about and then they don't come bombing it. Yeah. It's, it's all a, it, man, it's yeah. all a crap, not a crapshoot, but there's a lot of things that can go wrong, especially on a coyote that's bombing in on you, you know, and, and then sometimes you don't, you could, you know, you could be doing jumping jacks on stand like old Chase does from time to time and still kill him. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. The good, um, good, the bad, the indifference about, you know, like you were just saying, to be able to, that coyote stops out there at 300 yards and to change the sound because we've had it many a times where a coyote will come in, we'll see him out there 200 yards and sits down. And we'll go to a different distress, maybe a kayak, maybe something else, and then they react. So that's a good thing about an e-collar as well. Uh, so you can change it up real quick and get their attention, do stuff that you might not be able to do on a hand call. Yeah. Um, I was thinking just you, you brought something to my mind. Uh, years ago, we were antelope hunting up in those in those pinions and uh, we had to have called for 12 or you know 15 minutes, something like yeah. that and nothing. 
and this is what's surprising. This is what I, I, I think is funny. Nothing. And you did a hand call Kai and a coyote bombed into the call, not into us, yeah. bombed into the call. You remember that? It came from our right hand side. That call played a full, you know, we were going to get up and leave kind of a thing. And you said, look, I'm going to give, you know, three, you know, a few Kai's. One, two, and that thing was bombing into where the sound of the wounded rabbit was for all those minutes. And I don't think he ran for 12 minutes to us. I think yeah. he wasn't so interested in it until he maybe heard another coyote thinking about it or, or I don't know, just a yeah, weird so, scenario. So is that coyote? So now you got to go think about that. Is that coyote young, right? Is that coyote young, most likely, like you're saying, where I'm not going to go into that rabbit because I might get my butt kicked from a you know more dominant male in this area. And then I heard the kai going, well, hell, that coyote got hurt from something. Now I can go in and get a s'mores or whatever, but still go to the rabbit. Yeah. You know, so it, there's so much thinking. Right when you think you have them pinned down, that they do something completely different. Right. And that's a thing with e-callers to where you can, when, you're, when it's working... Keep working. Play the old number one. Play the yeah. old number one. Play the old number one. But that in itself gets you in trouble. Excuse me. Because the next time you go out, you think it, every condition is the same, and you hit an old number one, one number one, number one, and nothing, 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 nothing. Then you got to figure out. Okay, is it a different distress sound? Is it a guy eye today? Is it is it a combination? Is it a bird sound? Is it hand calls? So that's where being proficient in the vocabulary of certain distressed animals or certain types of year to where you're using kai eyes or vocal coyote vocalization to where hand calling or a mixture of the two go together. That's one that you just touched on one that I, I don't think that I think a howl or a coyote sound comes better off of a hand call than an e-call. I think everything I, comes better I, yeah, I the, would, the ones I, that you know how to do. Yeah, I would tend to agree, but I do. I believe that uh, uh, the howls and such on most e calls, they they don't sound great to me. Mojo's got that one, um, the group howl. Yes, house? yes, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. I think it, what you're saying. I th the way I look at it is the howls, the group howls is more yipping and it's yes. more the longer the note is it starts to sound like it's coming out of a box yeah. or a pool or, you know, it's got that more echoey, yeah. unnatural kind of a sound. Yeah. And, me, and some like, of them are very um, grovelly, like it just doesn't say, it doesn't sound it's, natural. I mean, it's, it's digitized, right? Right. As yeah. much as you can, even if you're, like you said earlier, recording your own sounds, once you turn that into an MP3 and play it back through speakers, it loses. It's still digitized. The, the, it's the same, you know, uh, uh, hearing a, a band play live versus hearing a CD or, you know, a recording, yeah. it changes and it does. And I, that Christmas, Christmas, it is the Christmas Merry time. Christmas. <laughs> Crispness Ness. of a hand call howl to me. And Kai's eyes are pretty good out of, those, out of the e callers, but the, yep. the howls for sure. You know, I I think they sound way better coming off of. And the I think call. the stress too is because the, the, everything coming from you, you give it your own it, personality, its own personality, yeah. its own life, I it's agree. whatever it is that you get to put into it, and that's why it sounds so real and authentic. Where 
every rabbit, just like every, you know, you hit old number one, stand after stand after stand, it sits down or it sounds the same every, every Oh, dude, it it burns into your mind. You know, those long days when you call lots of stands, I could recite the cadence of the old number one, you know, you know, you just know it's that that one, but where a hand call, it's different every time different man every time to every person to every everything about it is and the way you you know the way you open your hand and move your hand which direction the sound falls out of it and all it's all let's go back to hand call i don't i just thinking about it you know i i you you busted out an old open read call uh we've not podcasted about this yet but uh we had a very successful trip up north a few weeks ago and Clay pulled out an old school open read call and we killed one with it. It was good. I, yeah. I, I saw it. I don't know if everybody else saw it, but I saw it. Here, the, what is your number one reason for doing a hand call? Both of you. It, why do uh, you, why would you, to me, it's, it, 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 that's what I was going to, the, the way that it works reasons. now kind of, I think is you run the e-call and it doesn't work. So you go to a mouth call hoping that it works. That's what I think a lot of it is. Now, the volume yeah. is what, you know, it, windier stands or days or bigger flats, you know, then it seems like the hand call comes out more because you can get some more volume out of it. You know what I mean? You can you can get a little bit louder. You can, you know, do some certain things that, you know, the e-callers just can't do. And we don't we don't run a, a big, you know, speaker call either, which some guys do in different parts of the country. You, they get those really big, you know, outdoor speakers to run because they're calling big expanses. We don't do that. So I think in a windy scenario or like a, a bigger, uh, stand, you know, that hand call really comes in handy for the volume of it. I, I can't come up with anything different. That'd be mine too. It's a, it's a good idea to start your stand off. If your mouth calling, just call quiet, you know, your first little set, call quiet for the for the because the, the coyote might be close yeah. by you yeah um not to just blow them out of the country but yeah for sure wind condition wise or just getting later into your your set uh to get the volume out there there's i mean there's got to be the number one reason for a hand call on top of the authenticity and the different sound yeah. for sure so, so before i say mine um i think we should go because now that we're saying we've kind of educated ourselves right as far as we get lazy and hit on number one and then we go, okay, nothing's coming in. Let's go to mouth call. Shouldn't we do the reverse? Because if yes. we're saying these coyotes are getting um, educated on the, on the call, stand after stand after stand, and then going to hand call, we should start stands with hand calls and then end it with the, with the, because if they are educated that sound, they ain't going to come in after the fact, even if it's a real sound, maybe they what? might, they might every now and again, but more often than not, they might, they're probably going to hang up just because they heard that fake sound for 15 minutes. Here's what's happened to us in two avenues. We've had a lot of success with the old number one. Yep. That leads you to continue to play the old number one. Yep. If it ain't broke. <laughs> Sidebar. We don't stay on stand long enough anymore because we've had a lot of success. You, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Now we're moving around in the stand seven minutes into it because it's happened so many times within the first two minutes that when it doesn't happen by seven minutes, you go, it's not going to happen. It's it, been 25 minutes. No, it's been six and a half. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the whole thing, right? And, and uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago is that we have been getting up 
and we, we, we did it to ourselves anyway. I went and got the UTV and damn coyote was in the stand. You know, when I came back, like had we waited, we would have got him. We did it twice that day, you know, where we got up too fast and, and walked off and then here they are, you know, because the six, you've seen the success happen in same as the calling, you know, you, it happens fast. So when it doesn't happen fast, you get discouraged or whatever, or you want to move on. Same with, you know, hand calling versus e-calling is we, you know, the e-caller has worked so many times you figure why, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. As Clint said. So, so you throw the, all the e-call that you want at it and then you just get up and walk off, you know, when you're right, we should start with a hand call and, and, you know, use the, like we used to do it, it, it's a great tool, but it is just a tool. You know, you got to, you've got a lot of crutch. It it has become a crutch to us. Yeah. The the reason I like hand calling more, which I don't know why I've gotten away from it or we've gotten away from it. Well, we, we just talked about why we we did, but, um, is I love just like being able to catch a fish with a tie that you've tied or with a fly that you've tied or doing anything that you've actually had a hand in making. It's much more satisfying. It's much more satisfying to you trick that coyote because Mm -hmm. tricking a coyote to come into a hundred yards, let alone 30 and shoot it with a shotgun or five and shoot it with a shotgun is very hard to do. hundred percent. And that's what we pride ourselves on and getting him close. And so when you can do that with hand calling it, just it's, it's such a more of a, you know, satisfying hunt to me to be able to do things that you did yourself versus just hitting a button. You you can put a, you can put a worm on a hook and throw it into the, to the pond and eventually something's going to eat it. And it's fu- it, funny. Uh, that's why I like to fly fish, but something hit my mind because a guy like Kent Burroughs would go the other way and say, anybody can get a fish to eat a fly. That's what they like to eat. I get him to eat a chunk of metal. So the, yeah, there's, there's two different thoughts there, but I, I agree with you that it feels better when you get one with your hand call, you know, you, you feel like you've had a, a much more uh, prevalent role in, in that hunt than just pushing the old number one. Yeah. We joke about that just like Al jokes about it. You yeah. know, I, I'm over here really pushing the right buttons, you know. Yeah. It, oh, my thumb's getting tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Okay, so give me, give me your number one reason or tip or why you would use them in conjunction and how do you use them in conjunction with each other? Hand calling, uh, e-calling. To me, I think that's the ultimate kind of a setup is to have them both and to use them both. You know, I think that you're, you're somewhat, you're, you're telling a story to a, to a coyote or, you know, that's what you're doing when you're calling, right. Is you're, you're kind of telling a story. Same with duck hunting, you know, you're trying to be a hen mallard, you know, or you're trying to be a goose and you're either inviting someone to come to you or maybe you're, telling someone to go away from you, you know, kind of a thing. Coyote hunting, you're, you're trying to imitate and you guys actually, you saw it when you were young, right? Coyotes, coyote moms don't kill the things that they feed to their young necessarily. They train them. They teach them what that sound is of a wounded animal, right? You remember you guys saw a puppy being carried away. They wound it. They wound them. They they paralyze them. A a coyote, there's a certain amount of instinct, I guess, that a coyote is born with. But really, when you hear 
just like your dog when you teach him how to sit, right? Sit, you get a treat. And then if you just say sit, I'm going to get a treat. Well, they hear that screaming rabbit or a whimpering whatever, you know, and that's what they, they, uh, you know, they, that's what equates to a meal to them. So that's the, that's what you're trying to do to them, right? You're trying to get them to believe that something is losing, something's dying over here that I can eat. And so with a hand call, e-call mix, you can tell a different story, right? You can play bird sounds off an e-call and, and hand call distress. And that's a more realistic story that you're telling, right? Because just like we watch those magpies come in, usually there's a coyote under them. That's not, we're not doing that to them. That's their life, right? They know the magpie is going to eat the entrails or the things that the coyote doesn't want to eat, or it's going to steal a scrap. So if he hears it or he hears the crow in conjunction with, you know, that distress sound, it's all more realistic for that coyote to come in. You only can do one sound with your mouth, right? So you can do distress. You can't make a, a bird sound. You can't make a coyote sound. I like the, I like personally distress from, you know, the mouth and then a coyote off the box or, you know, either, either you could, uh, you could switch those two, right? You could go, you know, distress off the box, coyote off your mouth. I like those two scenarios being done very close together or almost at the same time, I think is a, is a winning comedy. We just talked about that when we killed up in those trees. No, that's what, that's what you just stole my thunder. That's where I was going was that if there's the number one, I think the best combo is coyote off the, off of the collar and then mouth call in distress. Yeah. And it could be, it could be fawn in distress. And that, again, that's the beauty of, of, of a mouth call. You know, you may, you may be making a distress sound on an open read call, that you're calling a jackrabbit in distress, but it's awfully close to a fawn in distress. Too. A hair longer. Just yeah, just a hair. Tooth position. Yeah. So, yeah, some sort of distress sound coming out of your mouth, which has more more pitch and more volume, and then having that kai in the background, we've had a lot of success with that. And I would add on top of that, later in a stand, as you've, as you've worked yourself through your progressions, that seems to be a good closer. If you have a hung up coyote that you know is there, that's going to close them. But even if you have a feeling like there should be something here by that 15 minute mark, if just in case they are on the outskirts, just out of sight, that we've had a lot of success with coyote on the box, mouth call, distress. Yeah, no, I, you took the words out of my mouth of telling a story. If coyotes are smart and if the story doesn't make sense, they ain't going to come in. Yes, they're going to come in straight to a distress. But if you can add on any type of level to that to make that story even better, it's going to make you more successful. <clears throat> Start off with a howl to let, you know, there's coyotes. So, I'm here. So, yeah, I'm here. And, and to the other coyotes that are in the area, they're like, who the hell is that coyote, right? So in my mind, when I start a stand, I like to, okay, what am I going to try to tell this coyote on this stand? If it doesn't work, I'm going to tell a different stand or a story on the next stand, different story on the next stand until I find a story that works for him, right? So if I start out with, okay, let's start with the coyote, new coyote in this area, certain times of year, I'm just going to go in and do coyote vocalization and say, hey, I'm here. Who wants to fight? When, when, when I know the answer to my own question, but when is it? Because you always say it every year. I'm starting with howls. What, what time of year do you start with the howls? When I start December is when I start because that's they're when starting to pair. They're starting to pair up. Yeah. And yeah. that's what, you know, that's what you always, you, you're very keen to that, 
that time frame. And it's always usually a mouth call. You know, I'm yeah. going to start with howls. Yeah. You know, I'm going to challenge my phone fell off my legs or, uh, you know, I'm going to challenge the coyotes that are out here because they're roaming around, you know, yeah. just like every other, every other animal, they've got a certain range. And if you picture them all moving in circles, they're going to touch each other. And that's, you know, in that time of life, yeah. they're fighting then or, or yeah, or mating. Yeah. So that's what I, I was before you rudely interrupted. I was finishing your <laughs> sentence. Oh, thank you. I love you. Single bed. Um, <laughs> I like to tell that story of certain times of the year. Yes. Let's say August. Let's start off in August. What do we do in August? Well, what, what are the coyotes doing in August? Most likely the babies, pups, are just coming out, right? They're coming out of the den. They're out playing around. They're out learning from brothers and sisters. They're out learning from mom and dad. Um, they're young and dumb and stupid, right? So a distress most likely is going to, to work because the mom's out teaching them, Hey, this is like you said, this is what we need to survive. If you hear this, go over and eat it. You're going to get a free, easy meal out of it. But at the same time, what happens to, what happens to a mom, an adult mom, right? A human mom, when they hear their baby cry, they come running. They come running. What happened to my baby? I know that sound. My baby sounds different from everything else. Just like you, cattle and deer and you, cattle will call there and they, that calf will go straight to their mama cow. Yep. It doesn't go to any other mama cow and they're all saying the same stuff, right? Every cow, mother out there, heifer is saying the same freaking thing. But that calf goes right to his mom because they know her sound. Yep. Vice versa, they know that baby whimper. So take that to coyote hunting. I'm going to distress to get that dumb coyote or the mom. If the, if the pups haven't come out of the she's den yet, feed them, yeah. she's got to come get this real quick, easy meal, head back to the den and feed the pups. Vice versa. If they don't react to the distress, it's very good to use distress or, or uh kai in August, early September because of that motherly bond and brotherly sisterly bond. Yeah. You hear your sister crying, you're coming running. You hear your brother crying, you're going to see what the hell's wrong with your brother and sister. And they and it's a frustration sound too, right? Like a, a, a coyote trying to dig a rabbit out of a hole or something like that like, is going to make that, you know, yeah. they're going nuts. They want they want that thing and they're frustrated. And that'll bring the other ones to help too. You know, might not 100%. be that I'm hurt. Just, hey, my brother, my mom, my whatever is, is trying help. to get a rabbit or whatever and I'm coming to help, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that sound is very very good early on for those simple reasons, just working off their instinct. Um, then going into September, October, you know, into the winter months, we go into distress and they need to eat. They need it's to eat a lot. And they got to eat more. They eat a lot of meat. What is it? Three, get, three pounds a day or something like that. They got to eat know, to get through, you know, wintertime. They got to survive. They have to eat that. So they're always out hunting. Which, by the way, I saw three coyotes today out hunting in the middle of the day. We should go hunting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, you sounded like John. Three coyotes out there in the field. Definitely. And then what? December. They're starting to pair up because their cycle of life is happening again. So December, we go. Now my story changes to, hey, I'm either a male coyote coming in wanting to look for a female 
And if I hear another coyote howl back to me and I know it's a male, I'm going to challenge him and try to beat the crap out of him to get the female because I want her, not you. And, or I'm going to come in as a female saying, Hey, I'm a new fresh girl in town. Where's my man at? Looking for love. Right. So that time of that time of year there, you're working on that. But at the same time, they're still hungry. It's still wintertime. They still need to eat. So that time of that time of year, you can work off of both. Like you're saying, you do the distress sound over your, with your hand call, e-call, you're doing those birds, you're doing the howls. You can challenge how, tell that story of I'm a coyote, hey, and then you, you be quiet for five, 10 minutes, and then you start distress sound. And then the coyotes that are actually in the area going, well, I need to go get that rabbit before that new coyote gets it, right? Yeah. So he comes running in. So you kind of, you just try to pick a story that you're going to run with on that stand and and do it. Coyote comes in. Okay, am I challenging him his for his lover? Am I a female coming in trying to find a lover? Am I trying to come in and steal food? And stick to that story versus just ra- haphazardly pushing buttons and doing Number this and everything. doing that, whatever it is. Try to tell a story that makes sense during the time of year that that story is going to make sense. Then you go into January, same thing. You can still use mating sounds, but by that time they're pretty paired up. And that's when you're starting to call in pairs. When you're actually out hunting, you're going to call in more pairs that February, January, February time frame because they're all paired up and, and still got to eat, still got to eat. So you can still use the distress sound, but maybe if you go into a honey hole instead of using a jackrabbit in distress, use a woodpecker in distress, use a fawn in distress, use a something other, you know, gray fox in distress, something that makes a little bit different sound pitch in their ears that they haven't heard versus just always hitting a rabbit, always hitting a rabbit, always hitting a rabbit. But my, my story with the, the dual things, hand calling and electronic, tell a story that makes sense, yep. not just go in there and hit buttons that go, oh, let's try this and oh, let's try that. No, tell the story because those coyotes are smart. And especially as you get later in the year, that story has to make even more sense because they've been pressured for now six months. And they do have other things on their minds. You know, you're competing with other rules of nature. I I was just thinking back. uh, You guys, you guys maybe will remember, but it was late and it was cold and we did not have a very good day. And we were up, uh, we were up uh calling off of that off of the mountain range and uh we played all that distress and then you did a a group howl and that coyote came to that very last lonesome howl do you remember that i know exactly what you're talking about it was like zero response and we could see everything zero response zero response zero response even for a good portion of the group howl zero response and then there was that very it's a very distinct lonesome howl at the back of that group Howl and that it was like that sound sparked that coyote. Yeah, he, but who who's to say that you're saying you know there was no response? Maybe all of that again it was the, the story. story. Yeah. So it's just what made that coyote show themselves. Right. Finish, but if it wasn't know, for the the time and the patience that you spent yeah. with what you were doing, yeah. you can't just you know, throw that away and say that wasn't part right. of it. the group. How that's all of a sudden what made them react. That's what made them finish. Yeah. That's what made them present themselves. Exactly. And, I was just going to yeah. say it, that that story needs to be told exactly, not exactly the same, maybe, but pretty much the same way on the next day on the next day. Because like Clint just said, 
it all works together to <laughs> so so you know that's another another good tip is you know whatever story if you feel confident that you're in a good spot you had a good hide you had a good way if you feel good about it um one thing that we really try to do which we were laughing about earlier that we don't do enough is whenever you feel like you're done sit for five more minutes yeah. what's it gonna hurt you know because get your binoculars there, out yeah there's some there 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 is something that maybe just that last little little switch up that little change up will make that coyote present themselves and to the point where at least you see them you know they're out there they're, and then you can and then at that point you can continue you know if even if they don't fully commit you got to pull them in from 400 yards away you know you've at least gotten to the point where okay my story was making sense because if it wasn't making sense they're not going to show themselves they're they're gone they're out of the country yeah. And maybe the, the silence at the end is part of the story. That rabbit finally died. That coyote's going to come in and say, hey, is there, you know, look around. Is there a truck? Is people getting up? Because, coyote, you know, a lot of people that are, are smart. Is another coyote in the area? Is there a wolf in the area? Is there a mountain lion in the area that's going to get there first? He's going to maybe just check out and, oh, there's silence now. Now I can go get it. Which, which always kind of makes me wonder, like, you know, we've had those stands where that coyote just just bombs in for for obvious reasons they're hungry and on top of that there's competition there has to be a combination of both those yeah. to make them just bomb in i mean you're you're on a stand for less than three minutes from the time that you started making noise to the time that they're on top of you in shotgun distance but on the other side of that what what are the other factors that finally make them commit you know it's 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 not always just that their belly is is empty and they need to eat but there are other there are other factors. Just looking at your uh, looking at your pet dog, you know, is is there some curiosity? Is there you know sometimes <laughs> switching up sounds and things? How much is that is that tapping into the, something that's just a, not necessarily a, a raw animal instinct, but just just a bit of curiosity that makes the them kitchen come in and sink investigate. stand? Right. Yeah, yeah, because they throw everything. They have worked. I mean, they oh, have yeah. worked where it's like. That shouldn't have worked. I mean, we were just kind of getting desperate there, and it worked because I think there still is there's a there's an element of curiosity, just like antelope and other animals that we see out there a bunch. There is. What I have, I can't I'm trying to <laughs> like I'm supposed to be smart at this, but uh, eating, right? They come in for eating. They come in for fighting. Yeah. They come in for sex. Yeah. And they come in for curiosity. I like when you say sex like this. Sex mating. I thought you were going to say the F well, word. There's really no other reason for a coyote to react to your situation. Eating. Yep. Mating. Fighting. Or curiosity. To Big Daddy Cecil, that would be the three Fs. Right. <laughs> right. Find them. simple. Yep. <laughs> hey, I was wondering... So and before you, you say that, I, I, I want to finish that thought. Those four things, okay, throughout the year ch change, but, you know, like I was telling the story, August, they're letting the babies out, and then they're, then they're eating, they're trying to fatten up for the winter, then there's winter, they have to eat, then there's mating, then, then there's really nothing they do is sit sit there in their den and hang out February and then back into March and then you can get into the summer months where you're dogging you're you're you know you're challenging them in their home territory right in their turf but that story needs to stay the same throughout the year right if you're trying to do things that are only done in February March in August most likely it's not going to work because that's not what the scouts are doing right so tell those stories at the correct time of the year for those four reasons, mating, fighting, 
eating, which happens, they have to all year round, but sometimes they're eating meat and sometimes they're eating bugs and figs and grass and Yeah, if they're, if they're denned up, they're not running out there. Yeah, they they're don't not have coming to. out to eat rabbits and stuff. They're being, you know, at some point, they're not going to turn away, but I mean, they're not going to respond. Yeah, so much, you just, yeah. just that story needs to be told correctly at the times of year when those stories need to be told. So those four things, just think about those, that they have to marry up to the time of year that you're trying to tell that story. What I wanted to bring up or discuss a, a bit further, Clint brought up is, so when one comes bombing in, here's what I was thinking. Is that the dominant tough guy of the territory? Like, hey, I'm coming in, this is mine. Because either one, I'm beating up whoever tried to snag one of my rabbits around me, or is that the is that the the wimpy guy going? I'm gonna get in there as fast as I can. I'm gonna eat as much of that thing as I can before that big dog comes in, and then I'll then I'm gonna let it go. It'd be because well, we've killed on we've killed a lot of dogs. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, most of the time it's the latter. The, right. The, the the big dogs that you kill just on our last hunt. I was just gonna say about soon. 15, I'd say the vast majority of the big mature males are the ones that are later in the stand we yeah. have we have the awesome one that what do we call it a dominant dog you know yeah the double yeah that that, that was another one of those that was very obvious that the bombing in one that finished a shotgun distance was exactly young and dumb not necessarily even young but just it could just be a healthy, smaller you know, you know one year younger than than you know one year is a yep. big difference with you know it could be a big mature coyote but if there's a bigger one yeah they're going to come in and get that meal first i like it I like that a lot. I like to, it, it's, it's interesting to dissect predator hunting. You know, it, it, let's face it, the, 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 the it, progression of an e-collar has allowed pretty much anybody to come out and, and predator hunt. You, you, you don't have to learn how to mouth call, you, you know, and you would, I imagine. Which I recommend you learning how to mouth call and learn yeah. everything about it. hundred percent. But you know, you just, if you're just getting into it, you, you will even probably see some success. You'll even probably see, I just had a, a guy, you know, uh, he was asking me questions online and he, he told me, you know, yeah, we bought this. Uh, he had bought the the super critter or whatever it was from Mojo, and he he said, uh, and Matt, he goes, Matt, you know that thing really works. And Terry designed that particular call to be in conjunction with, with a mouth call. Yep. That guy didn't know that he turned it on. It still makes a distress sound. And he said, you know, I turned it on in this ranch, uh, our family ranch. No one had ever predator hunted. He said, and three coyotes came running into the thing. He goes, so I know it works. And it's funny because that's that call's really meant to be used with a mouth call. But you know, like I said. Even not knowing, you you will see some success with an electronic collar. You're going to hit the right stand at some point where that simple distress is going to make a difference. You know what I mean? You're, you're make a make a reaction. Um, but I like to sit and discuss why and 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 then and we've had some challenges along the years. You know, I can think of one year we went to Mexico and you couldn't get that e-collar to work to save your life for some reason, you know, and it was a year that we had gone the year prior and it worked just fine. And then, you know, for some reason, and you said it, maybe, maybe it was a transfer of sounds that the pitch wasn't correct. Or maybe we've even joked that, you know, it's emitting some kind of a high frequency sound that, that we can't hear, but these dogs are, cause there are times that the stupid things just don't work in your mind, you yeah, know, no, hundred percent. That's where 
after everything that we just talked about, some days you throw all that out the damn window and nothing and works and something that you would never think would work does work. So you go back to the drawing board. But because of that, a I don't know if we want to leave it here, but a good thing to do is to get a diary. I don't know what call a diary, a, a log, journal, a journal, journal, logbook. And it's got and one going right now. Look at mine earlier and start and just start it. If you're a newcomer or if you're a veteran and don't do it, I, I guarantee you it would make you a better hunter to do a journal as far as going in and writing down time of year, time of day, temperature, barometric pressure, all the different variations. And maybe not the first year you'll see a pattern, but two, three, four years down the line, you'll see a pattern of when you're going to be most successful or what sound, hand call, e-call, combination of calls, bird calls, whatever it is, all those different variations that you can put down in a book more, but as much as you can, not, even if you don't even think it matters on a stand, it's type of sagebrush, type of terrain, uh, whatever it is, put it down. And after a couple of years, you're going to be able to find a, you know, a little something that's going to make you more successful on certain days. I, I even think you could start simple, right? What date? Simple. Yeah. What time? Oh, that's what I'm saying. What All that sound? stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. Just simple. And I guarantee you'll make you a better hunter. Hey, hunter. Uh, you hear from, there's guys out there, I know for sure, that they've got 20-year logs. Mm -hmm. You know, they, 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 they journal what they do every time and they've done it for 20 years and it's like that farmer's almanac or whatever you know they can look back and you oh, yeah. you bet you bet your bottom dollar they know the dates that are the best and this goes duck hunting chucker hunting nope. coyote hunting you know deer hunting maybe not as much but probably if you if you're in states where you're killing multiple deer you know they're they've got probably got a journal of when the bucks are moving through their food you know we're, we do a different style of hunting in nevada yeah. so what we're not keeping journals on the one tag i draw every five years uh <laughs> but you know bird hunting uh my it's dad awesome. jokes you know the chucker come to the water 10 2 and 4 people figure that out through notes and things you know you know maybe it's a mental note but you know they they've they've kept track of over the years early on I always seem to see those chucker down at the spring at 10 o'clock and then, and then again at two and four, you know, and somebody's, right. you know, catalog to those things. Same with, you know, like you said, coyote hunting. I know that, well, you know, Clay in his mind knows from a mental note, August, you know, those, those pups, you know, and the, the certain sound that they want to hear in September, yep. you know, the, the pups are kind of moving away from their mom and it's a different kind of a sound in October. Not a lot of people know that yep. we take for granted that, you know, that, you know, and so, yeah, somebody kept a journal at some point and, and the only put thing, that together, the only thing you can't put in a journal that is the unvariable or the variable. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> is pressure. Yeah. You do not know. Other than if you talk to somebody, yeah, I went up to Girl Act <laughs> last weekend. But it's always a good excuse. Ah, uh, wasn't us. That oh, no, wasn't us. Remember, uh, remember <laughs> we drove home from Mexico. This is a, a funny story. So we drove all the way to Mexico. Oh, I and then we decided <laughs> we're going to call. We'll, we'll drive north through the bottom of Nevada and, and we'll go out towards Ely and Caliente and we'll call out there on the way home. Yeah. And 
It was cold and snowy. Perfect, perfect, Dude. perfect, perfect temperatures. And, Everything about it. And in a in a part of the country that we're not around, and we're like, oh my god, if you didn't think you had enough fun in Mexico, now we're gonna hammer them in the snow here in Nevada. And we called all day and never saw a coyote. Never that saw thing. one. Called. We called stands that that you know. As we I say, bet, I would have bet yeah. $100, not only one was going to come in, but five were going to come in. And we hunted all day, and we go back. We were staying the night again. We go back to the uh, gas station, <laughs> and the guy there, you know, he he sees the 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 truck's got the decals and shit. Oh, what are you guys doing out here? You know, oh, we're, you know, we're trying to coyote hunt. He goes, oh, man, they're everywhere. And, and right then, your heart sinks like they're everywhere, and we can't call them. He goes... Yeah, man, they just had a contest yesterday, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday. I He said, I I just put on a contest yesterday. Yeah. Just called it. You know, I was like, oh, oh, let's just go home. No, no wonder you can't find a coyote <laughs> to save your life. Literally the day before, that, probably 40 dudes out there in the exact same area yeah. calling all the exact same stands. So that's a, that's the a thing. I'm sorry, Clint, cutting you off. That's, no, that, that's, that's the last thing that I would say as far as pressure in a journal. You can't do that. But regardless of that, you're still going to get a lot of good detail or intel um, based on your years of journaling and it will make you a better hunter. That's for sure. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, I just was thinking about so many just sports in general, you know, just remember a good day, a coyote hunt you call 10 stands, you know, if you have success on three of those stands, you had a good day. So, you know, you're not going to have eight out of 10, proficiency in any sport you know i i think coyote hunting's a lot like baseball you know you hit three out of ten you're an all-star so um my my tip on top of everything else is just the more tools you have in your toolbox it goes for any kind of hunting but especially predator hunting they can be such an unpredictable animal and the moment you have them figured out you no, don't. <laughs> you, and we could sit here and tell you this is this is the sequence of sounds, and this is what works every time. Nothing works every time. They're very unpredictable. What worked on one one stand will not work on the next ten. So, if you have more tools in your toolbox between an e collar, between a hand call, um, different weapons you can use, your optics, your journaling, all that different stuff. If you can, if you can put as many things in your favor. You know, instead of being successful, maybe one out of 10 times, three or four times out of 10, you're going to go back and do it again. Well, I've got a heck of a tool. Remember last year we brought that coyote out there on that stand. We, we, we've we never had any. Oh, the, manic, the, the mannequin. The mannequin. And I know a lot of people use them and they kill coyotes with them, but we, we got oh that thing. God. Scared the shit out of that. No, literally time. that guy, this coyote he was came over bombing the t- in and saw that decoy and it turned so fa- I'm not talking our feather decoy. The feather decoy. <clears throat> no, we're talking about. We're talking a, a full body, full three body dimensional, yeah. you know, with a fuzzy from, tail. And it was from Uncle Mel. He used to take this out. You'll kill oh, and that goes back it really does go back if you if you there's a reason that happened you know it was nature why did it happen it wasn't our wind it wasn't that was that was that young dog younger dog that didn't want to get his ass kicked by that big bushy uncle male dog that's all it was he was expecting to get there first and when he saw that big coyote out there i mean that thing that thing could not have turned and went the other direction and it wasn't like we had it out there at the wrong time of year it was the right time of year like we were talking about telling the story and yeah, that's funny. That, let's talk about that for a minute since we got a minute. The feather, <laughs> the feather decoy, because we've gone back and forth on that feather decoy. Oh. You know, you, 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 Clay's got a picture of one with it in its mouth. You know, and so, and then there's times that 
we've we've gone back and forth going did, did that feather scare that thing away you know like I, I want it like I said it'd be interesting and fun to, to be able to hear from other people on this show but you know like I said we've got a picture of one yeah. with it in its mouth and then we've seen I would imagine scare. I mean it, it just comes down to experiences and what I mean yeah, because you know it's going to work sometimes, but maybe that coyote, something has happened to it to shut it away. I mean, there's no way of explaining it because it's worked so good so many times tackling More decoys. Often than yeah. Um, you know, biting the feathers off of the decoy. So you know it, you know it doesn't spook every coyote, but every once in a while they do spook off of it. And that just must be, I mean, we've, we've seen, it just makes me think, I, we've seen coyotes coming in and a bird jumps up off of a bush and all of a sudden they stop and you almost think that they're going to jet and go the other direction. So there's certain things that just make, I mean, they're, they're predators, but at the same time there, yeah, there's something that might just, might just, it just makes them a little shy. Like that rattlesnake. Right. (laughs) To bring this full circle, what I keep in my journal is don't belly crawl in Nevada in August and don't put two single beds together in a motel room in Austin, Nevada. Don't. But other than Depends that, who you're sleeping with. Yeah. journal it up and you will be more successful. And get you, a hand call. Use your hand calls and e-calls in conjunction with each other and you will be more successful instead of just hitting the old number one or whatever calling system you choose to use. And uh, I think that's the end of this one. I think so, too. I think that's a great I think that's a great discussion to have. And and what I'll put in my journal is how do we figure out how to get some live phone calls in here? Can you do that on a podcast? Yep. We can do that. Well, we're going to do it. That would be cool. That would I'd, really. We'll do that. I want to hear answers from people other than you two talking heads. We'll put it out. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, me and Tom know how to do that. Anyway, we could even do a live. Live, live. Podcast on like Facebook live Instagram. or Instagram yeah. live. Oh, that's great you brought that up. What I'd like to do, because we have, we have it set right now, wouldn't it be cool to live Facebook it have and go through our recent hunt. I mean, we have enough good and, 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 you know, successful and not successful footage. I think that'd be a killer thing to do. Have, we're talking about what works and what doesn't work. Have a little video to go with it. Yeah. And and it's not, it's not the show edited down into 22 minutes and you know, you're, you know, you're, you're doing it for entertainment, but it's actually look at what worked and look at what didn't work, you know, and, and do that through a podcast. And if we could tie that into emailed questions before the show or something like that, that'd be killer. And a spoiler alert, spoiler. we're going to have a little Chase Belding on here. Yeah. He's going to talk about some coyote hunting. He just turned 10 yesterday. He yeah. killed these coyotes when he was nine, obviously, but right. he's going to come in and talk to us and tell them. Now he makes double digits. Double, double digits. And then we got to get Clay's uh, wonderful elk hunt. For all of you that follow us along on Instagram, you know that Clay killed a heck of a Nevada bull this year. We're going to talk about that, too. Yeah. So uh, make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned. And thanks uh, for joining us. And, and I'm going to tell you, this podcast has been brought to you by Mojo Outdoors with its triple threat, a great e-calling system that we choose to use, and Vortex Optics. Because at the end of that hunt... When you need to find those coyotes, when there's nothing coming in, there's one out there, get in your glass and find one and sit in your stand for another five or 10 minutes. Clay Belding has a monocular that I think is the greatest coyote hunting. The Vortex monocular is bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. It's a heck of a heck of a tool anyway, to add to your belt, like Clint said. Thank you, Mojo. Thank you, Vortex, for bringing this edition of Where the Pavement Ends. For Alex Crosby and my bro, Clint Belding, we are sayonara. Till next time, folks. Appreciate you.
like a man's hand looking square in the eye. I'm real cool, old school, don't lie to me, fool, ain't a thing about me, babe. I'm a modern day John Wayne with my daddy's last name. 